by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Oh, how many have the Bible app on your phone? Probably most about everybody. And every morning they have a scripture for the day. Well, I woke up this morning and the scripture for today nailed my sermon to the wall. It's like, that's better than anything I had for the sermon. So we're going to start with that. <laughs> the Lord was like, you missed that one, dummy. Here, I'm going to give it to you on the Bible app. It popped up on me, you know. You talk about, Myro talking about how God speaks to you. He'll speak to you if you're paying attention. So let's turn to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 real quick. Of course, Isaiah was around long before Jesus came to the earth as that little baby in the manger, right? So we know this, if he's talking about Jesus, we know this to be prophecy. That means pre-telling something in one sense. All right, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. And before I go on, I keep interrupting myself. We're going to have a good time today. This is going to be life-changing. You know how I know? Because everything that could have went wrong this morning did. And the devil is fighting, 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 fighting. Everybody I've seen come into the church this morning looks like they barely got here alive. Right? That's how you know it's going to be a great church. Because the devil knows what's about to happen. So let's sock him in the eye for this morning, all right? Isaiah 9 Verse 2, the, the prophet prophesies, he says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, and we all know that to be earth, right? Upon them a light has shined. Now this wasn't true in Isaiah's time, but who is that light? Everybody knows that's Jesus because he said plainly, I am the light of the world. He said, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life, John 8, 12. Do you want to walk in light? Yes. That's what we're going to talk about today because we have a choice. You can sneak back over into the shadows of death. You can sneak back over into the darkness and live your life as a Christian in the darkness. What a shame. What a shame. And if you're there right now, you know how hard that is. You know it ain't fun. You don't know why you're there. You don't know why you're letting your mind go there. You don't know why you're letting your body go there. And you know it's not working out and giving you the desired result. Well, I'm here to tell you today, you have a choice. You can choose the light. Because it says, those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Matthew 5, 16. It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, there's a purpose for the light. So that others can see you shine. And then you can bring glory to the Father. How many wants to bring glory to, to God Almighty with their life? Amen. Sure you do. I know you do. You want to be shining. You're not going to shine standing in the shadows. 
So let's come out from among them. Be ye separate. Without holiness, no man is going to see God. The Lord's just filling me with scriptures right now. Listen to what the Spirit of God is saying to you. Don't drink. You, you, can't, you can't have salt water and fresh water coming out of the same fountain at the same time. If you got a little salty water, it's going to salt all the water. Choose life. Choose light. That's the message today, and I ain't even started the message. <laughs> what are y'all in for? Woo! Say, let your light shine. Let your light shine. We used to sing that song, This Little Light of Mine. Tom said, don't sing Little Light. It's the big light. So ever since then, this big light of mine, we're going to let it shine. <laughs> On that note, we was having supper one night, one night at my house this week, and Angie had cooked us a nice meal, and my daughter Kaylee was eating with us, and my mother-in-law Beverly, and uh, had a nice meal, and, and Kaylee got up and went somewhere, and I got up to go to the refrigerator like I often do, <laughs> as you can tell, and I went to the refrigerator, and, I, and before I opened the refrigerator, I saw on the refrigerator two pictures. One was Kaylee when she was about five or six, and one was my son Joshua when he was about five or six. And I was looking at them, both of them were just so cute. I was, I was thinking to myself, me and, me and Angie did good. And, uh, and I said, Angie, which one of these two you think's the cutest? Now, Angie's been around long enough to not fall for that. <laughs> she said, they're both cute to me. She, Angie don't play that. She ain't never, she ain't never done anything to, to indicate any favorites. She hates that. I mean, if she spends $399 on the boy for Christmas, she spends $399 on the girl for Christmas. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Down to the T. <laughs> well, anyway, I guess I hadn't learned my lesson yet. So I said, uh, I got an idea. A little devious thought ran through my mind. I said, let's go tell Kaylee that the boy's cuter than her. <laughs> <laughs> And so I went around the corner to get her, and she was standing around the corner like this. The girl's got ears this big, you know. She could have heard me from upstairs, I know. She said, Daddy, what is that you always tell me? Six things does the Lord hate, and the seventh is an abomination. Those who sow strife in the family. <laughs> She quoted the word on me. I said, I'm the one told you that. Don't use it on me. <laughs> Two things I see in that story. One, pastor, you need to do better than that. And two, don't it make us happy when we see our children doing right, following the Lord. Quoting his word even. Oh, that's how you know they're coming to maturity. And that's how you know you're coming to maturity, right? When you begin to live by the word of God. Not just do what you want all week and listen to a little sermon on Sunday and think you've done God a favor. But you begin to live by the word. And you become Mature. Our job as children of God is to grow up. Uh-oh. Did I say that out loud? 
It's called sanctified. It's called sanctification. It starts when you get saved. And you should mature until full maturity. Our job is to grow up into the things of God. Ooh, let me not get ahead of myself. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Uh, only pages I hear are mine. To see. We saw electronic these days. Colossians 1, verse 27 and 28 in the New International Version. Apostle Paul says to the church in Colossae, to them, and he means we saints, he's talking to the saints here, if you, if you back up a verse, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now what is he doing? He's trying to show the Gentiles, the unbelievers, something. Those who hadn't found Christ yet, he's trying to reveal a mystery to them, which is Christ can be in them too, just like he's in you. And it is your hope of glory. If Christ is in you, then you should be shining with the glory of God. Your life should be a city on that hill. Shining with the glory. How many wants the glory? Are you just happy like a, a, a light bulb that's burned out, but you're still in the socket? Just happy to be in the socket? I don't know where I get these things. <laughs> but don't you want to shine? Don't you want the juice to be flowing through you? Don't you want to illuminate the places where you go? In verse 28, he says, he is the one we proclaim. When we let the shine, the shine happen, we're proclaiming Christ because he's the light of the world. And if he's shining in us, we're proclaiming him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone, uh-oh, fully mature in Christ. Say fully mature. First Peter 2.1. Peter says, get rid of all evil behavior. How much of it? Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babes, you must crave pure spiritual milk that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Don't you want a full experience? Do you want to go to Disney World and just ride the the tram in and then just watch everybody else ride the rides there goes another one I don't know where it came from <laughs> but you want the full experience you, Jesus paid the full price for you to get in do you want a full experience of your salvation you see with salvation there came a salvation package it's called a covenant a blood covenant a new covenant with promises better than the old covenant. You can walk in healing. You can walk with hands that heal others. 
You can do miracles and greater works than Christ shall you do because he goes to the Father. There is a full package. You can be blessed financially. He can meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. The promises of God are all yes. And amen. If we say amen. We agree with them. And then we walk them out. We want the full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. See, he's saying, get rid of all the dark stuff, the evil behavior. Be done with the deceit and the hypocrisy and the jealousy and the unkind speech. And if you'll notice, most of these things that he's talking about here are just your attitude and how you treat other people. And he's saying, if you come to full maturity, you'll have the full salvation package. When you come out of the darkness and start shining like the light, then you get to ride the whole, all the rides. Now, as Christians, we know all the, the big no-no's, right? Don't murder. Don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't lie. And, and most of us have gotten real good at hiding those things, right? Wait, uh, did, did I say hide? <laughs> I didn't mean to say hiding those things. If you're, if you're saved and you're still murdering folks, <laughs> we got a bigger issue than I thought. <laughs> no, wait. But we know the big things. And, and a lot of us have overcome those. Because we know the tragic results. Because the wages of sin is death. And we know those big ones are going to cause big destruction in our lives. But you'll notice the Bible talks about the, the, the more little foxes' sins. The things, it talks about how we treat one another. How we tip our waitresses when we go somewhere. And, and how we respond to people that are mean to us. You see, God is very, very concerned about our horizontal relationships, not just the vertical ones. He's concerned about how your words cut and slice other people, how your actions are, are self-serving and push other people down. Right? So you can, you can be a Christian and you can go to church on Sunday and you can say, I never commit adultery. I never murder. But you can be one of the nastiest people on the planet. And that's why a lot of people don't even go to church. Because they, they like the God that we serve, but they don't like the people that serving him. What does it say? Be done with deceit and hypocrisy. Let's grow up. And start doing the things of God. And watch how it will change your life. Whew, I'm preaching too hard. Let me slow down. Romans chapter 12. Told you we was going to have fun today. Amen. Some of you are saying, this ain't fun. You're getting on us. No, no, no. Part of becoming fully mature is able to take instruction. Being able to take criticism. Being able to listen and learn and glean and say, I want to grow, even if it hurts. The Word of God will cut you sometimes, but if it's spoken in love, which I can 
affirm to you that it is, I'm speaking it in love, then it will help you grow to maturity. Romans 12, 9 says, don't just pretend to love others. Ooh. <laughs> it's easy to say I love you. Did you see Jesus going around telling everybody, I love you. Hey, brother, I love you over there. Come on down, Zacchaeus. I love you, brother. You're my Quan. No, <laughs> what's that movie? <laughs> he didn't walk around like dude in that movie, did he? He wasn't all hype. But he really loved. It says really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Okay, let's do an experiment. If you're doing good while I'm talking about what I'm talking about, smile. I've been doing good. I, I really do love other people. That's me he's talking about. Love each other with genuine affection and take honor in honoring each other, take delight in honoring each other. I'm kind of happy when somebody else gets something good. <laughs> Never be lazy. But work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. I can tell you that's a big one for Christians because I know I used to work at a place and I would, I would get awful lazy. I don't even want to be here. This ain't got nothing to do with God. I don't even like this place. I don't want to do this. This ain't what I'm supposed to be doing. And so I wouldn't work and I wouldn't give my best. But the Bible says do everything as if you do it unto the Lord. You're not working for that boss that you don't like. And I liked all my bosses. I'm not saying that. <laughs> They might watch this video, but no. No, I liked the bosses, and it was a good place, but I was just angry because I, I, I wanted to serve God full time. And I didn't give my best where I was at, and that wasn't pleasing to God, and that's why I stayed there so long. That's why I'm so old now. Amen. I should have been up here 20 years ago. All right. Took me too long. I took the wrong bus. Never be lazy, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. Re rejoice in confident hope. That means something that hadn't happened yet. Hope is something that hadn't happened yet, but are you rejoicing on the front end? Remember we talked about that? Be patient in trouble. Oh, I don't see a smile in the house. <laughs> Keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. That make you smile. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you had somebody over at your house? Well, I know the passion folks are. Hospitality, what? Uh, full. Bless those who persecute you. Mm, that will wipe the smile right off your face. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. It's funny how most of us think we're beyond ordinary. <laughs> all right. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way everybody can see you're honorable. And do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. How many of you, if your business partner would have stole money from you, would have turned around and the Lord said, give him some money, would have done it like Tom's son? 
Hard to do, ain't it? Where the rubber meets the road, are you going to do what God says? Are you only going to do what God says when you want to do? Right? You got children, you tell them, y'all come on in here and we're going to eat some popcorn. They'll do what you say. You say, get in there and clean up the popcorn. Then you got an issue, right? It's easy to do the things that you like that God says, but it's a little bit more difficult to be fully mature enough to know it's good for you to do what your dad says. What causes us to come up short? Well, we know the answer to that. Galatians 5.19 says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature. You know they're still there? You got saved and God's spirit came in, but that sinful nature that should be dormant, that should be put away in the grave, buried in baptism with Christ, is still there for you to dig up anytime you want, want to? You begin to follow the desires of your sinful nature, the, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, enviness, drunkenness, wild parties, and listen, other sins like these. That's what's in that old man. That's what you were doing before Christ. And he died on the cross to set you free from that. And you're still doing that? Mm. Mm -mm. Can't do it. Can't do it. He says, let me tell you again as I have before that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. How does that set on your heart right now? How does that feel? Because a lot of people interpret that scripture saying, well, if I've been to a, a wild party or got drunk or something, does that mean I'm not going to heaven? It's scary you, won't it? I personally don't believe it means that unless that's the sort of life you have chosen and you have rejected the gospel. But I believe that you will not inherit the kingdom of God means you will not inherit the things of the kingdom of God. I believe that you can, you can sin once you're saved and still go to heaven, but, that, but living in that darkness is not going to present you with all the promises of God. You're not going to inherit the things of God. You're going to live below what God called you to and never walk in the things of God. It's almost like giving up your birthright for a bowl of stew, isn't it? Man, I'm going to look at that pornography anyway. I know I ain't supposed to. Not going to walk in the things of the kingdom of God like that. Not going to inherit the blessing that God wants to get in your life. But you're giving it up for a bowl of stew. You're giving it up for a fleshly desire. When you have the power to overcome sin in your life, call on the Holy Spirit. He will make a way of escape. He is there to help you. You know, we've been reading scriptures from Peter and Paul. You know, they weren't perfect men. 
It's easy to preach it, right? It's easy. It was easy for them to write what God gave them to write for the Bible. Doesn't mean that they were living it perfectly. None of us are fully mature, right? The sanctification process is, is sometimes a roller coaster ride. Sometimes there's ups and downs. But the Bible says a good man keeps getting back up, keeps moving on. You know, a little child doesn't stay a little child. If a little child's 14 years old now, he's still wearing diapers, something's wrong. You got to go on. You got to march on to full maturity. Paul, he uh, had a young man named Mark go on a missionary trip with him. And him and I think it was Barnabas and Paul, and they took Mark with them. And they got in a couple of cities, and there's persecution, it was hardship. You know, there's suffering to be done for the kingdom of God. Mark couldn't take it. He was a young man. He wasn't ready for it. He freaked out. He went, got homesick and went home. He left him. Well, Paul got, got irked with that. He wouldn't take Mark with him on any more missionary trips. And Barnabas argued and said, no, we need to take Mark. We need to work with him. He needs to grow. Mark needs to mature. He, he ain't there like you yet, Paul. But Paul argued. And the dissension between Paul and the contention between Paul and Barnabas was so great that they parted ways. Can you imagine two grown men of God can't work out an issue between themselves? So Paul went with Silas and he went on. He didn't even go with Barnabas anymore. This is the great apostle Paul, you understand? And that's why we see in Romans where he says that the thing I want to do, I don't do. It's the sin pulling on us, isn't it? There's nobody sitting here that's got it all figured out. We're not trying to make you perfect. Well, we are trying to make you perfect. We're not saying that you've that you, that you got to be perfect right now. We're saying work towards it so that you can be fully mature, so that you can enjoy the full package that God has for your life down here. Because when you get to heaven, you get it all, right? But it's important for others that you let your light shine. Some of you got kids. You know how your, your witness for Christ has affected their lives. And some of you are probably thinking, oh, Lord, why'd you bring that up, Pastor? I'm going to cry. But I'm saying, let's move on from here. Let's move on from here. That's what I'm trying to stir you to do so that you can shine from here on out. My dad, he wasn't a good dad to me. He was a great granddad to my grandchildren. I mean, to my children. You see, he changed. We got we to let people grow. Everybody is at some place, and we're going to talk about that if we've got time. Oh, I've got to move. Mm. Peter, we know he had some moral failures. All right, but stop making excuses. The thing is, is we're going to make mistakes, but stop justifying it. Stop playing the victim. Well, I wouldn't have done it if they wouldn't have said this. You know, we're blaming everybody else for our actions. We said, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. 
Can't nobody make you do anything but you. You decide you. You did it. Accept responsibility and change it for next time. There's only one perfect person on the earth, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, th I thought, what would illustrate how he loved people horizontally, how, how he responded when people, you know, there's the whole Bible, everybody was against Jesus simply because he was Jesus. And how did he respond? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. But what about Judas? That little rat. <laughs> I mean, he walked with Jesus. He, Jesus gave him uh, charge over the money. He was stealing out of that, that little rat. He saw the miracles and he still betrayed the Lord. But on the night that Jesus was betrayed at the Last Supper, do you know that when Jesus got down on his hands and knees and put an apron about him and got a bowl of water, when he came to Judas, do you know that he said, Judas, you traitor, I'm not washing your feet. He said, Judas, I knew, you. I knew something was up with you. Why don't you just go and do what you're going to do? We don't need your kind. I see all these posts about, I don't need these people in my life, people that do this and do this. I don't need you, Judas. I don't, Judas, I saw you've been hanging around Thomas and Nathaniel. I ain't talking Thomas and Nathaniel no more either. You see how that's, you start letting a little darkness in, it'll start spreading. Pretty soon you'll, be, you'll have something against everybody. But he didn't. He washed Judas's feet so that he could run and tell on him. Do you believe that? And when he come running up to him with his clean little feetses, <laughs> kissed him on the cheek, how many of you would have knocked his lights out? <laughs> Whop, I knew you was coming. <laughs> You want to see somebody, you want to know why Jesus' light shines so brightly? You look at the way he lived his life and go and do likewise. In fact, in John 13, 15, he said, I've given you an example to follow. He's talking about washing feet. Do as I have done to you. If I'm your master, I get down and wash your feet, then you ought to be able to wash each other's feet. And that's nasty business. Dealing with people is always going to be nasty. I've kind of learned that as pastor. Not everybody has their Sunday smile on on Tuesday. A lot of them on Monday or Monday night quarterbacks, and they call them and tell me how terrible the sermon was. No, I'm just kidding, but I'm just... <laughs> hmm. God doesn't like drama. It takes a bigger person on the inside to, to let things go, to forgive, to have empathy and see somebody else's point of view without always having to only think about your feelings, your way, all these things. 
Romans 8, 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. See, when you ask Christ in, the Spirit of life came into you. And it sets you free from the law of sin and death. The law was there to show us how evil we are. But it sets you free. You have the ability to overcome sin, but you have to choose life. You have to choose to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. Yeah, Peter did a bunch of stupid things, but I tell you, he, he did a lot better after the day of Pentecost when he got filled with the Holy Ghost. We see a new Peter writing the, the book of First and Second Peter than we did uh, saying stupid stuff to Jesus along the way. Denying Christ who, when he didn't have the Spirit of God. But the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. We don't have to serve sin. We've been set free. Hallelujah. It's really stupid for us to go back into it into the bondage from which we were set free with the price of the blood of Jesus Christ. It's insulting. Now, you know, here at the church, our, our primary focus is what? Discipleship. It's just what Jesus said. It's the great commandment or great commission. Go into all the world, make disciples. We really love our discipleship wheel. It just makes things plain to know God, find freedom, discover purpose. And make a difference, right? That's the way around the wheel. We talk about it all the time. And one of the things that's really been an influence in my life is a book called Disciple Shift. It's not Discipleship, but Disciple Shift. S-H-I-F-T. I can't remember the man that wrote it offhand right now. And, <clears throat> oh, COVID has invaded... <laughs> The church service. I mean, they're doing a lot of advertising. <laughs> I didn't know it was that strong. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Where was I at? Okay, the, the book, Discipleship, is Jim somebody. Okay, so it's a, it's a book explaining how to, how the church should be making disciples and how to go about the change and how to help people see why we should be making disciples what Jesus says about it. One of the things in there, he talks about the different stages of spiritual growth. You're a baby, you're a child, you're a young adult, and then you're a parent. Oh, and then there's the spiritually dead. <laughs> Those who don't even know Christ. They're not even born yet. You know, hopefully we've all been born again, right? But then after that, there's a progression as a, you're a baby in Christ. You, you grow up to be a little child, then like a young adult, and then you become the parent in the house. That's the growth to fully mature. And he says that you can, you can tell by the things that you hear them talk because out of the abundance of the heart the mouth leaketh, right? You can tell by the things that they say, you know, kind of where they're at in that spiritual growth chart. He says it's not so that we can judge one another. Aha, I'm farther along than you. I'm a parent and you're just still a little old kid. No, it's not that. It's not judging anybody. But it's so that we, when we hear somebody, we talk to them, we can hear from their, the things that they're saying, we kind of know how to deal with them. Because you deal with a child differently than you deal with an adult, right? Obviously. 
So if you're trying to, you're trying to help a, a spiritual child and you're telling them fully mature things, they're going to choke. They're not ready for the, the meat of God's word yet. They're still on the spiritual milk. So in an effort to help all you disciple makers, I thought I'd share some of the things and I kind of colored them a little bit for our use, but the spiritual dead, these are the things that they would, you might hear out of somebody that's spiritually dead. Get off my porch. <laughs> That's just a joke. I don't know. When I knock on their door and try to tell them about Christ, they're like, get off my porch. You know, they say, religion's just a crutch. It's not for me. You know, I'm, I'm my own religion. I make, nobody t tells me nothing, you know. That's the kind of thing. And there's an F word in between every other word I said. Right? You can tell with somebody's... If you ask them, are they going to heaven, and they say, uh, well, uh, if that, that much of a pause tells you right there they hadn't been born again. Because you know that you know, right? All right? So those are the things spiritually dead. But now let's talk about an infant. Somebody who's recently just been born again. They just come into the family of God. They don't, you know, just when you get born again, you don't know everything right off the bat. You remember? You may say things like, uh... I didn't know it was wrong to shack up with my baby mama. You know, everybody does it, you know. They don't know. They haven't read that far. In the, they're still on Genesis 1-3. You know, they, they haven't got far in the Bible. They may say, well, I've always connected through God, to God through nature. You know, being outdoors is my church. They got weird ideas. You know, I don't, I don't need anybody else. It's just me and Jesus. You know, when you first got saved, Jesus was so power. Um, his, his love was overwhelming to you. And you're like, this is all I need. And that's, you, that's good that you felt like that. But you weren't mature enough to know that God's going to use the horizontal relationships in your life too. And you're thinking, oh, Jesus is enough for me. And so you, you can tell if somebody's a baby Christian when they hadn't understood the importance of other relationships in their life. They may say, I know Jesus is God, but isn't karma real too? And see, they're, they're mixing <coughs> other things that they had. They got a lot of layers. And, and they hadn't worked through all their thoughts and their theology. That, that just means they're a babe in Christ. Uh, they may say, well, God wouldn't have gave us ganja if he didn't mean for us to smoke it. Right? I mean, why did he put it there? So we can get high, man. <laughs> and, you know, they still want to hold on to the things that they like from the world. And, and they're making excuses on some of the things. They may say, do you guys got an extra Bible around here? They might not even have a Bible yet, okay? Can you imagine not knowing anything from the Bible? And that's the way people come to Christ. God doesn't require you to have a theology degree to get saved. You come straight off the street, give your heart to Jesus, boom, you don't know nothing. Anybody got a Bible around here? We got some back at the Connect desk, by the way, if you need one. And if somebody tells you, do you, do you got an extra Bible, you give them your good one and come see me and I'll reimburse you. I mean, that's in that, get them the Bible and tell them the importance of it, you know. So those are child, those are children, those are infants in Christ. As they grow into childhood, how many of those children can be a little more difficult? Amen. And I want to say about you babes in Christ, enjoy it. <laughs> because everybody's taking care of you. You ain't even changing your own diaper yet. 
God is holding you and it's all fresh and new. I wish I could go back to that stage where I didn't have to know everything. I didn't have to prove nobody, nothing to nobody. I was just loved and forgiven, and that's all I cared about. And Jesus, he just envelops you with his love more so than ever when you're a baby. I think he loves the infants. So enjoy that stage. Don't be ashamed of it. That's just where you are. You hadn't had a chance to grow, hopefully. Now, if you're still, you've been in the church for 20 years and you're still there, then come see me. All right, the child may say something along, he'd been going to church a couple of years, right? This church isn't meeting my needs anymore. I need something deeper. I need a church with a better preacher. We hear that all the time. <laughs> they may say, somebody's been sitting in my purple chair again. <laughs> Who are all these new people coming to the church? We're getting too big. The closest parking spot was two blocks down. They're complaining. They're, children tend to complain. The pastor didn't even say hello today. You think he's got something against me? Why don't we have a singles ministry here? Don't they care about singles in the church? You say, well, won't you? Maybe you could lead one. <laughs> we ain't got but three singles, pastor. What would I do? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they might say well you know I was helping in the children's ministry but nobody noticed me back there nobody ever said thank you nobody acknowledged me so I quit <laughs> so there's if, if you're a child oh Lord help you we love you we just want you to know we love you and we're going to love you through to the next stage right we're going to move you to the next stage. If you're a, a young adult, that's when things really start to turn. That's when a shift begins to happen. You're not just thinking about me all the time. You begin to think a little bit about we. Maybe you found some freedom, and now you're kind of going into the discover my purpose phase, right? That's where it really starts to get exciting. They may things like, say things like, Pastor, in my devotions, I came across something I didn't understand. Could you help me? See, if they said that, that would indicate that they're in devotions. Woohoo! They're reading the Bible on their own. Hallelujah! <laughs> they, they may say, I really wish I had time to lead a life group. They may say, you know, Debbie's kids have the flu, so I'm going to go tell Pastor to bring them a meal. They're thinking about others. They're see seeing needs in others, right? Look at how many are in church today. It's awesome. I had to park two blocks down. See, they see it in a different way. They're excited that new people are coming in. They want to see the church grow. And then they might say, you know, I wish I had time for prayer on Tuesday nights. And then we move into the parent stage. Now, I'm sure all of you are parents, right? <laughs> we got a church full of parents. No kids in here, right? But we're all parents. And the, and the parents is when, you, when you're taking that next step. And they may say, wasn't it awesome at prayer Tuesday night? You see, they made time for the things that are important. They may say, you know, I bought Debbie and her kids a meal last night. Maybe you could help me tomorrow so we won't have to bother pastor. 
they're starting to understand that it's, it's your job to do the work of the ministry. It's me to equip you to do the work of the ministry. They're starting to go deeper in their understanding of the workings of the church. They may say, someone in our life group's getting baptized Sunday, so I'm going to bring them to the next step class Sunday after church so that they can get plugged in to the church. They're willing to sit through the class again even though they've already been through it. I've seen people do it. Some of you had not even been yet, and I've seen people that's come through it two or three times. One of them sitting right there bringing folks because it's that important. Let's see what else we got. They may say, I've been mentoring Phyllis in our life group, and I really think she'd make a good group leader next semester. They're looking to grow uh, other people. They are real disciples. That's what a parent does. They care about the well-being of others, you know. And, and you may ask, dude, where's your car? Oh, I parked over to Knowledge Tree so the visitors wouldn't have to block, park two blocks down. They're not only happy that our church is growing, but they're doing something to, to, to make sure that the visitors have a, a park, parking spot. Isn't that awesome? How many parents we got? Don't raise your hand, you liars. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> so how do we get to this spiritual maturity? What's the magic key? Tell us, just tell us plainly, Pastor. Well, do you remember the things that your Sunday school teacher used to tell you? Read your Bible, go to church. I would add, get involved in the church, go to a life group, read a daily devotional, come to the Next Step program, engage yourself in all the tools that God has given you to grow spiritually. The things that we're doing here at the church are planned by God. They're thought out, and he said, this is, these are the tools that we're equipping you to help make disciples. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, get involved. Do the basic things. Watch, put a guard over your mouth. Don't just let anything fly out of it. And when something flies out of it that shouldn't, say, I'm sorry. Hold yourself accountable. Get an accountability partner. If you got issues with pornography or, or lust or jealousy, or remove yourself from certain situations. Use common sense. Get on the bus. Gus. Get on the bus with other people who are moving in the right direction. It's not hard. It's just setting... Uh, your course one decision at a time. What are the things we talked about today that's not in your life that you hadn't made time for? Time management is so, so important in the life of a Christian because we have busied ourselves with the things of this world. You say, but I got a job and I got to do that and so I can't come to church on Sundays or whatever. I would tell you if your job is keeping you from going to church on Sunday, you need a new job. And you say, Pastor, that's not fair. You don't know I got to pay my bills. God will meet your needs, but you got you to gotta show that you're serious about doing this spiritual growth. 
There's some things more important. A job is a, you can get a job anywhere in today's economy. You cannot let the world dictate your time. You will make time for the things that's important to you, and I'll just leave it at that. You will do what you want to do. So, want to do the things of God. Want to live in the light, because in the light, you're going to get the full salvation package. Romans 8, 5, and we'll close. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. What's your mind set on? What are you thinking about all day? Is Facebook all you do? Are you setting your mind on the things of the flesh all the time? When your mind is, is what's coming through your eyes, your ears, what kind of music are you listening to? Take the K-Love Challenge or something and see if it don't change you. Lift your countenance. Lay your eyes on light and not on darkness. If your eyes be full of light, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are full of darkness, how great is that darkness, the Bible says. Make firm decisions. There's something in your life right now that needs to be changed, and you know it. And God's speaking to you right now. I can feel it in my heart. God's speaking to every one of you. There's something that you need to, you need to make a, a change. You may be a parent. You may be. I'm not saying that anybody's. I'm not. Whew, I got things too. I'm, I'm trying to grow too. I'm just saying wherever you are, there's a next step. And you know right now what God is dealing with you about. And whether it's cutting something off or adding something to your schedule or whatever it is, why don't you be obedient? And step into that next place. Because if you set your mind on the things of the flesh, you're going to reap fleshly results. And it goes on to say, for those who live according to the Spirit, they think about the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You choose. You choose. Keep on staying in the shadows. Keep on thinking about the darkness. Keep on focusing on the world. Or you can focus on the kingdom of God. You can focus on the Bible. You can do the things of God. And you can watch light begin to flood your whole being. And the whole salvation package start to come upon you. Joy, peace, hope, love, all the things, the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians chapter 5. Do we need to be mature to be saved? No. But we need to be mature to be behaved. And God wants His children to play nice together. And he, though He thinks we're all equally cute, and He's got all our pictures on the refrigerator, He can tell that the light is shining brighter in some than others. Come on, let's live lives that give God glory. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.